Well, welcome. Welcome to week three of Why I Believe. If you have your Bibles, please turn to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. We're in the middle of a series called Why I Believe. 1 Kings chapter 18. And I just want to remind you, after the second service, we are having starting point. If you don't know what starting point is, it's just a one-hour session where we talk a little bit about where LifePoint has come from, the mission, the vision behind it. Um, there is no, you don't have to make a commitment to attend or anything like that. Like if you attend, you don't have to make a commitment to join the church or anything like that. But it's a great place to ask questions. And so if you've never been and you want to find out a little bit more about the heartbeat of LifePoint, I want to I encourage you to, um, to join us. We will have light refreshments, and so that's coming after, not, not, not after this service, but after the second service. If you can sign up, it would help us, because we want to make sure that we have enough food for everybody, and we'll get a notification, so you can just grab your phone and sign up, lifepointfc.com, and then just click the tab that says connect, and then starting point. So lifepointfc.com, lifepointfc as in fellowshipchurch.com, and then there's a tab that says connect. And then starting point, it literally will take you 30 seconds, so I just want to invite you, if you, even if this is your first time, or if you've been coming to LifePoint for years, and, uh, and you want to learn a little bit more about the church, you want to find out where to get plugged in, you want to know maybe what life groups there are, and um, it's a great opportunity, just a one hour session, and so I want to encourage all of you guys to join us after the second service. Um, so, 1 Kings chapter 18, I want to... I want to share a story, a true story, something that happened to me a long time ago. Um, I was uh, a seminary student, and I went to a very uh, uh, very strict school, okay? Like, if I tell you all the rules that they had, I mean, they, they would freak you out, okay? Like, very, very, very strict school. And one of the things that the school would do is on Sunday afternoons, you could, if you're a seminary student, you could do... Uh, like different like Bible clubs, okay? They were like serv- servant opportunities in the community. And the goal was to help the seminary students get better at teaching God's Word and doing outreach and relationships and all of that. And I remember on this particular occasion, it was like six of us, seminary students, we crammed ourselves into a car, went to this park. It was in a low, kind of like low-income level community. And because the school had done this for years, they were... I mean, like literally tons of kids, not quite hundreds, but it was a large number of kids that would just come out, okay, from all over the community, and we would play games with them, and we would just just have fun, and then we would teach them the, the Bible or, you know, share the, the gospel. And on this particular Sunday, I remember we were wrapping things up. All six of us got back in the car, and my friend went to turn the car. Of course, seminary students, we're not driving um, the greatest of cars, and he turns the ignition switch. Car does not do a thing, and I'm like, we're like, oh no, you know, we're thinking it could be the battery. You know, all six of us get out of the car, you know, pop up the 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 hood, and we're you know wiggling the the cables and trying to figure out what's wrong with the car. I think somebody like left the door open, and you know, like we lost the you know drained the battery. But the, here's the thing. We were on a deadline because the school, if we would have been late, 
Like, this was a big no-no, okay? Like, you get the merits for everything. And if you were late for church, uh, we had, we had like church like every day, like, like literally Monday through Friday, we had chapel. On Wednesdays, we had church, let's say twice. On Sundays, we had church three times on Sunday, Sunday school, Sunday morning, and Sunday night. And if you were late to any one of those, it was like you were in big trouble. And of course, you know, like everybody, all six of us were freaking out, you know, and we're counting how many demerits we already have, you know, because this thing, we're going to get kicked out. This cool could care less if you, if you're, if you had car troubles, okay? And of course, I'm, I'm a problem solver, like I, I'm a fixer, so I'm thinking, okay, who do we call? I mean, how do we get some help? You know, like we need, need to get a taxi or something, and I forget about the car. And in the midst of all that, about 10 minutes after we found out the car was not starting, a friend of mine, one of the seminary guys, says, why don't we pray? And if I, confession is good for the soul, right? And I'll be honest with you, when he said that, you know, it's like, pray, what are you talking about? We got to fix this. We got to, we have like a very small margin to make it back to the school. Why are we going to waste our time praying? And that, I said what I thought, okay, that I didn't say that. <laughs> didn't say that, okay? See, pastors are human beings too, okay? So don't, don't look at me like that. Don't judge me. But I remember thinking, so anyway, so the six of us, you know, we hold hands and I'm like, I just don't hold hands with other guys, you know? Like, so we're doing a circle in a public space, and we're holding hands, and we're praying, and they're going to town. I mean, they're saying, like, it's like they're bringing revival down. And I'm like, what's going on? And the guy says, amen, in Jesus' name, amen, gets back into the car, turns the ignition, and guess what happened? The car started. And for me, it was the first time in my life, the reason why I'm telling you this, because it was a pivotal moment in my life as a Jesus follower. In that moment, I had never, I've never seen the power of prayer like that. It was obvious, it was immediate, it was something that we needed in that moment. It was not like a major thing, like nobody had cancer or anything like that. So it was kind of, you know, looking back, it was kind of a small request. But for me as a young seminary student, I experienced what I want to talk to you about today, and that's the power of prayer. And so we're in this series, Why I Believe, Why I Believe. And so today we're going to talk about why I personally believe in the power of prayer. Now, I want to be clear as we begin today. God sometimes will say yes to your request. God will also at times say no. Okay? And that's not fun when God says no. He says yes. He says no. And then sometimes he will say, I got something better for you. I got to, you know, you're praying for something, but you have no idea what I have in store for you. And so let me, let me kind of, you know, I'm going to take you down a dif- different path. But I want to begin by asking you a question. Don't raise your hand. And sometimes I ask you to raise your hands. Don't raise your hand on this one. Just a quick question. How many of you would say, if you're really honest with yourself, um, just, this is just a sort of, just for yourself, just a kind of a question for you. How many of you would say that your prayer could, your prayer life could use a little boost? Again, don't raise your hand, but in your heart and your mind, how many of you would say, you know what, my prayer life could get a little bit better? 
I've asked people that question before. Like just one-on-one, not in a public setting. And, and I found out that any time I ask people, how's your prayer life? Okay. Like nine times out of ten, they usually say, man, it could, be, it could get a little bit better. How, how's, I mean, how are you doing? How's your prayer life? You know, regardless, they may be, they may be, life may be great. They may be, I mean, like life is fantastic or they may be in the dumps. But anytime I ask people, or most of the times I ask people, how's your prayer life? Most people tell me, good Christians, Jesus followers who believe in the gospel will say, man, my prayer life could, could use a little improvement. And a lot of times the reason for that is sometimes our prayer life is not what it's what we want it to be for because sometimes we don't know how to pray. Even even if you're a mature Christian, sometimes you wonder, man, am I being too selfish? Have you ever asked that question? Like, Lord, I don't know, like people, there's so many needs out there. Lord, you know, we're you know, we're looking for a car and you know, like we really you know, this is exactly what we would like and it's really not like life or death, you know, nobody's got cancer or anything like that. But Lord, you know that this is really what we're looking for. And man, it would really help us if we find the right vehicle. You know, sometimes people don't know. It's like, I don't know if that, that's maybe I, I shouldn't pray that. Sometimes people don't know if they, I mean, am I being too loud? Is are my prayers too short? Uh, you know, am I doing it right? Basically is the gist of it. Sometimes people don't have a great prayer life because they get bored. They get distracted. If you're like me, you have ADD, like, you know, like you're, you're praying, you're in your man, you feel, you feel, you feel like you have prayer momentum and you're going to town, like, come in and you just, and all of a sudden you have a thought. It's like, oh, I did not text so and so. You know, and then, oh, I did not pick this up for my wife or I did not do this. And then before you know it, you're like, you know, somewhere else totally different. You know? How many of you, I'm, I'll ask you to raise your hand for this one. How many of you are online, you can, can give us a, a thumbs up. I wish there was a way to raise your hand online too. That would be cool. Um, maybe some, some, somebody can tell me how to do that. Maybe there's a little emoji where you can raise your hand. I don't know. Um, there is? Okay, all right, cool. Raise your hand if you can find the emoji. How many of you, when we get, when the preacher gets to the end of the message, you go, you kind of get a little distracted with that long prayer there at the end. How many of you raise your hand? All right, thank you so much for your honesty. The rest of you, you're liars, but it's all good. <laughs> Jesus loves you. It's all good. I forgive you, okay? Yeah, the preacher goes on and on and on, you know, and you're like, okay, you get distracted, you get bored. And sometimes that's why we don't have a great prayer life. Um, sometimes it's, it's um, we think our request is too small. We think God is all-powerful, he's all He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's all-knowing. He's sovereign. He's going to get His will no matter what. Then what's the point? I don't think my prayers actually make that big of a... They don't make a difference, okay? I mean, Pastor Alex, maybe your prayers, you know, your prayers will make a difference. But my prayers, I don't know. I don't think that they make a huge difference. And so a lot of us go through life truly believing in God... But having a half-hearted prayer life and sometimes non-existent prayer life. And, and so we don't really believe in the power of prayer. And so it's one thing for the preacher to say that, but it's another thing to actually believe in the power of prayer. So today, First Kings chapter 8, let me give you a little bit of that background. Three players. You have the king, the queen, wicked people as they all get out. Um, you have the man of God, that's Elijah, okay? And then you have a bunch of prophets. I'll get into that in a minute. But basically, you have King Ahab, 
and then you have King, uh, the Queen, excuse me, uh, Jezebel, um, probably the only person at the time that was alive more wicked than the king himself, okay? And there's a drought. There's a three-year drought. And for this group of people, a drought is not like a drought for us. I mean, like, th- this was a big deal, okay? No water meant no food, okay? And maybe the Lord has brought you here today, and you're going through a season in your life where there's, you're going through it, you know? And it's, it's a drought. It's a season where things are not well at home, finances are not good, the marriage is whatever, you know? And it's not, and, and I don't know where you're at, right? We all bring different needs, but maybe right now, right now, you're going through a season where, like, there is, like, you need to be filled up. And my heart today is to fill you up with God's Word and encourage you and remind you of some, some great things that we see in God's Word. And so for these people, uh, no, no um, rain, I mean, it meant no food. It was essential to their crops. Um, they could not import, I mean, it was not like they would import food like we do, you know. And so uh, this would increase sickness. Children would go uh, malnourished. Uh, it was a horrible thing. And one thing, spiritually speaking, that happened that you may not know is pagan worship would increase. There was this God that was called Baal. Everybody say the word Baal with me. Baal. So this was the God of the rain. After three years, some of the um, God-fearing Christians started worshiping different gods. And one of those gods was Baal. And so Elijah finds himself in this situation where good believers... People who at times had been faithful, they're wavering. Their faith is wavering. And maybe this morning you find yourself that because of where you're at in life, your life is wavering a little bit. And that's fine. Um, you know, we don't want you to stay there, but we, we understand that we all go through ups and downs of life. And so what Elijah is going to do is he's going to talk to the king. Now, the king is a wicked individual. And, I mean, King Ahab could have had Elijah's head on a platter at any moment, okay? And so this was not an easy thing, but Elijah is coming to the king and he's saying, rain is coming, rain is coming. And the king doesn't want to hear it. The king is kind of wavering. And so basically... They get about 450 prophets of Baal, okay? These are the, remember, Baal is the god of, remember? Rain. And then they get another 400 prophets that they're worshiping other gods. They had hundreds of gods. And they bring him before Elijah, and Elijah sets up this challenge, and we're going to read about it in a minute, to figure out who is the true god. Because you guys are praying to some gods that, you know, like you're wasting your time. And so let's, let's go ahead and look into it. First Kings chapter 18, verse 21. The verses will be, most of the verses will be on the screen. Verse 21, it says this. Elijah went before the people and said, so remember, 950 of the prophets, right? Four, 450, the ones that are worshiping Baal, 400 that are worshiping other. And actually, it wasn't just those. You had all of Israel there as well, okay? And against one. It had not rained for three years. And he's, he, this is what happened. Said, Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? It's a challenging question because a lot of times I find in my face I waver. You know, I, I go off track. And I, I don't want to, but there's times when I know the way. I know the truth of God's Word. But as a human being, I just find myself just just off track. And that's the beauty of repentance. I love the fact that, 
you know, if there's one thing about Christianity is the fact that you have the Spirit of God in you, guiding you and leading you. And at any point, you don't have to wait until Sunday morning. You don't have to confess to the priest. At any point, you can readjust. And that's what repentance is, getting back on track. And so he's like, it's like, how long are you going to waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow Him. But if, if what's his name again? If Baal is God, follow him. So he's putting it on the line. Okay? Keep in mind, it has not rained for three years. This whole challenge is about rain. And so, I'm going to skip around for sake of time, but basically, he's going to set up the challenge, and he's going to put two different... He's going to say, we're going to set up two different altars, okay? The altars were made with stones, um, and then some wood, you know, and then you put the sacrifice on top of it, and um, so basically he says, I'm setting up mine and, and I'm going to get the wood and the stone and get it ready. And I'm going to take a bull and I'm going to cut it up and put it on it. And then that's you light it up and that's how you would have a sacrifice. Well, he sets up his challenge and he says, you set up yours. We, I set up mine and we're going to pray and we're going to ask that God will answer us. Like we're trying to figure out who's the true God here. He says, we're going to find out. By we're going to pray. You pray to your gods. I'll pray to mine. And the God who answers by fire is the true God. Deal or no deal? And look at what they say. Verse 24. Then all the people said, what you say. Next, next slide. Then all the people said, what you say is good. So they all give Elijah a thumbs up. Challenge accepted. Okay, we are in this. Now, if you read this story, it says that from morning until afternoon, they're going like crazy. Okay, they're worshiping Baal and they're, they're going to, like they're praying and they're bowing down and they're like, we adore you and we love you and we, we, we're asking you to send fire on our behalf and we're devoted to you. I mean, and these people are crazy. Like they would, they would, they would many of them would actually, um, like, you know, like they believed in human sacrifices and, you know, all, all kinds of crazy stuff. But they're uh, in a little bit, uh, if you read the passage, they're cutting themselves. Okay, the, the Bible says that flood is, you know, like like flowing down their, their arms, you know. I mean, so it's insane. But they're, they're, they're doing as, they're putting as much intensity and as much prayer as they can. And so by noon, it says that, you know, nothing has happened. Um, not even like nothing. They're dancing. They're worshiping in their own way. They're performing all these rituals. And Elijah begins to make fun of them. And I love Elijah because the Bible says in, in James 5, 16, it says that Elijah was just like a man like you and I. Like he's just a human being. And it brings kind of a lot of humanity to, to scripture because you're going to see this prayer in a minute and you're going to think, oh no, you know, uh, you know, we talked about Elijah, but we're not talking about Elijah today. We're talking about you. And, you, and we're talking about me and the prayer, the power of prayer in our lives. And so, so basically in verse 27 at noon, Elijah began to taunt them and he's like, shout louder. You know, surely he's a God. And, and I kind of love this, but I feel guilty a little bit about it, okay? Because as a Christian, I don't know if you should be doing this, but he's fooling with them. He's mocking them. 
He's like, come on, I'm sure she's alive. He's alive. You got to be louder. And they're, they're dancing and they're getting louder. And, you know, and so, um, you know, I, 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 you know, I wasn't there, but that's kind of the way I picture it. And then, and then he says, surely he's a God. Perhaps he is in deep thought or busy. Now, if you look at the, if you look at the original language there, uh, the idea is maybe he's actually going to the bathroom. You know, so, so it's like, yeah, maybe he's going to the bathroom. And they go, they, they, they increase their intensity and in their prayer. You know? And like, oh, yeah, he's probably in the bathroom. Maybe he's traveling and he throws like a few, maybe he's asleep. Wake him up. What you gotta do is you gotta wake him up. And so I enjoy this, but maybe, I don't know, I feel a little guilty. Maybe that's not the best way to reach people, you know? Making fun of them. And then nothing happens. And then Elijah's turn comes, and basically he does the same thing. Cuts up the bull, puts it on top of the altar. And then he does something a little bit different. He takes jars of water, four large, jar, four large jars of water, and pours them on the sacrifice. And of course, you're thinking, okay, 950 prophets could not get their God to send a little spark. How is Elijah going to get his God to consume the sacrifice that's soaked with water? I mean, that this is impossible, right? And it says, here's a prayer for us today. Verse 36, at the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. Uh, and keep in mind that phrase, step forward and pray, because um, one of the things that you have to be, and I'll talk about this at the end of the message, but one of the things that you, you have to know is that there are times in your life where you're not seeing your prayers answered because you are, you're holding back. And there are times in, in life when God wants you to take a step forward into the unknown. There are times when God says, I want you to take a step of faith. And so it says that at the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your command. Pay attention to that. Another important phrase. Verse 37. Answer me, O Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back. Again, that's my prayer for Easter. My prayer is that we're, as we're inviting people throughout the community, as we're doing the card tags or the yarn signs, as you, as you invite people, take those invite cards, you know, and you pray for the one. As we're doing that, my prayer is that next week, we'll, no, we won't just have a large crowd, but that we, there will be people here that will hear the gospel and give their life to Christ for the first time. And we'll begin to disciple them. That's my, that's, that's my prayer. God, please. That's what I've been praying for the last couple of weeks. God, please. I'm begging you. I need your, like, we need your help. Because I don't know how to do this in the middle of a, you know, hopefully at the end of a pandemic, you know. God, we need your help. And maybe that's your prayer today. Lord, help me. And nobody knows. The truth is, no one knows but you the burden in your heart. It could be cancer. It could be that relationship. It could be your son that you see, man, they're, they're rebelling and they're going down a path that's not, that's not good. And you need to get on your knees and you need to pray the same prayer. It's not complicated. He says it twice. Answer me, God. 
You know, maybe it's a decision that you need to make and you feel like you're a fish out of water and you, you need God's wisdom and you need His help and you need His discernment and you're, you're praying, Lord, help me. And this, it's what He prayed. It was a man just like you and me. Listen to me, God. Answer me. Answer me. Maybe there's a relationship that's broken. Verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burnt up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. Can you imagine seeing that? All of a sudden, whatever. I mean, I don't even know how that would have happened. The closest thing I've ever seen is lightning. I don't know if you've ever seen, um, when we were in North Carolina, lightning struck a, a, not a house, but a a tree right in the front, like the front yard. Huge, massive tree. And you could see from the top of the tree all the way to the ground, literally split the tree in half. And you could see the lightning bolt and you could see smoke. There was like, when I, by the time I saw it, there were like three or four fire trucks there, you know, like four or five cars just kind of waiting, you know, thinking like the thing is going to, you know, they were there for safety, I guess, you know. But it's the closest thing that I've seen. But in, imagine in that moment, he prays that prayer. And like that seminary student who says, in Jesus' name, amen, boom, God answers the prayer. And it consumes a sacrifice. Now, all 950 people plus Israel, they're like, oh my goodness. Can you imagine if you would have been there? Look at, look at what it says. When all the people saw this, they fell down and cried. The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is what? Help me out. God. Lord, He's God. And Elijah goes, tell you. <laughs> He's God. He's God. He's God. Now, you may think that it's done. The story is just getting started. Look at this. Verse 41. And Elijah said to Ahab, this is the king, Go eat and drink, for there is a sound of heavy rain. What does he say to the king? Go eat, drink, so you, you, get, you can have a break, okay? For a what? I hear the sound of what? Heavy rain. You know that there was no rain in sight? It's not like we, they could look at a radar and say, oh, yep, rain is coming. There's no sight of, like, there's no rain coming, all right? Like, you cannot visually see the rain. And Elijah is speaking faith into a situation that in that moment looks impossible. Remember, we talked about stepping forward? That's what he's doing right now. Now, I'll prove that to you in a minute, Okay. Go, you, you're released of your duties. You brought all the people together. You've done your thing. You haven't killed me just, just yet. Okay, good. Just go. Watch what happens next. This is huge. Do not miss this. Verse 42. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, and, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. What's Elijah praying for? He's praying for rain because his neck is on the line. <laughs> if rain doesn't come, and has that ever happened to you where like God answers a prayer and it's not long after that that you're going through another situation in life and it's another 
test or whatever. And like when you look back, you see, okay, God, I see that you answered me there. And I see that you didn't answer me there, but it was, it was for my good. And I see there back then, you know, a couple of years ago that, yeah, that happened. I didn't like it at the time, but it was for your, for my good and my kids. And then, and then now you're facing another situation and it still takes more faith than even before. Has that ever happened to you? So Elijah has seen the God of hand like never before, right? But guess what? He had just declared that rain is coming. And so he's going to run to God for dear life. And he's going to find his place on Mount Carmel. And he's going to get on his knees, his face, like deep into his knees, his face to the ground. God, please bring the rain. And I wonder if part of that was like, my life is on the line. You know, I don't want to lose. You know, I value my life a little too much, right? I want to give you a couple of tips. If you say today, man, I, I don't have a great prayer life, let me give you a couple of, of tips to get a better prayer life. Three things real quick. Set a time to pray. Set a time to pray, okay? Set a time. If you don't have a great prayer life, maybe you don't have a time that's set to pray. We, we, man, we schedule everything, don't we? And sometimes because of the busyness of our schedule... Prayer is the last thing that we, that we put on our schedules. It's the last thing. We'll pray on the way. We'll pray on the car. We'll pray on the way out. Listen, listen, listen. There's a reason why Jesus took time aside to pray. And so I want to encourage you, set, build that discipline into your life. Set a time where you, you know what? I'm going away from the kids, away from my spouse. I'm away from work, email, social media. I'm going to set this time for me to connect with you, with my heavenly father. It is the one thing in our culture that robs us of our relationship with God more than anything else. It's our calendars because we're all too busy. Here's the second thing I want to challenge you to do. You want to have a great prayer life? takes a little discipline so one set a time to pray Two, figure out an amount of time that you're going to pray hopefully more than two minutes set it set an like pick an amount of time that you're going to pray okay so like the human mind is like a rubber band once you stretch it it never goes back to its original size okay and so i want i want you to set a time that's going to stretch you a little bit for all of us, it's different. For some of you, 30 minutes is like, man, I don't have 30 minutes right now. But, but if you can do that and that's a stretch, fantastic. Go for it. Okay? For some of you, you can pray for a couple of hours a day. And that's perfectly fine. And, and then maybe you retire. Maybe you don't have as many things. But I want you to set an amount of time that's going to stretch you. Okay? Does that make sense? Set a time to pray. Set a, an amount of time. More than just two minutes. And then find a place. Find a place. For me, uh, I may have shared this before, is Tyler State Park. It's five minutes from my house. Uh, I, like, I'll go biking. I'll go deep into the woods, into one of the trails, usually early in the morning or, you know, sometime when there's not a whole lot of people at the park. And, um, like, I'm riding my bike, and I have a little backpack with my hammock, okay? And I literally set my hammock in the middle of nowhere, and it's my, there's no, I'm never closer to God than at different places at Tyler State Park. Find a place, find a place where you can connect with God. Because our world, if your world is like mine, it's like, I feel like, you know, I'm in a washing machine, right? You know, being just shaken 24-7. Find a place to connect with God. That's what he's doing. He's, he's running to his place, Mount Carmel. 
He's isolated where he could cry out to God. If he needs to yell, he can yell. You know, sometimes we need to do that. Sometimes we need to just get it out and vent. You know, God can take it. And so he goes. He tells the king, go, you're good. The sound of rain is coming. There's no rain in sight. Goes to pray, 43. We're almost done. Go. So he tells his servant, go and look toward the sea. He told his servant, go and see if there's any rain coming. You know, I need a little proof, you know. And the servant goes up and he looks and he says what? There is nothing there. Can we put the verses up? Verse 43. So it says, go look to where the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There's nothing there, he said. Now watch this next part. Seven times Elijah said, go back. Now picture that for a moment. Elijah's on his knees. He's praying. He's telling his, his servant, his guy, he's like, hey, go and check, okay? And, and he goes, clear as day, nothing coming. Comes back, sir, there's nothing, there's no rain coming. And he's on his knees. He's praying, God, please bring the rain. No rain in three years. He comes back, sir, nope, go again. And then time and time again, I mean, you would figure that by the third time, you're like, okay, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I'm going to just run away. I'm just going to, you know, because I don't want, you know, I value my life a little too much. But he did not stop. And I guarantee you, if it would have taken 14 times, Elijah would have sent his man to go look once and twice and three times. And the seventh time, the seventh time, can you imagine the look on that, on that man? It's like, I think I see something. Could that be it? I think it's a small cloud, but it's, it's something's coming. You know, do you think that in, increased the, the faith of that servant? Man, I'm telling you, you know, verse 44, the seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand <laughs> is rising from the sea. I think so. I think I see a, a little cloud. <laughs> so Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. What's Elijah doing? He's stepping forward in faith. That's what he's doing. I see a small little cloud. I don't know if it's coming our way or if it's going that way, but I see it. It's like, go, tell the king that rain is going to stop him. He hasn't rained for three years. Meanwhile, verse 45, meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose and heaven rain, and a heavy rain came on and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. Um, so what do we learn from this whole story? I have three things. Real quick, if you want to write this down, I think these are good points. I think they'll help you. Pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. The reason why we don't get what we're asking for is because we quit too soon. So pray until something happens. We give up too easily. We, we give up too soon. We quit praying before the miracle happens. Sometimes I say, it's about to happen, and we quit. So let me ask you, what is your drought today? What is your big request? What's that miracle that you're praying for? What dreams have you given up on? I want to encourage you, verbalize them. Write them down. This is not a wish, okay? 
This is not just a dream that you have. Claim your promise, just like Elijah. If it takes seven times, I'm going to go after it seven times. There's so many examples in the Bible. I'm, I'm past my time. I just want to, real quick, I just want to sh- share a few with you. Zechariah, you say, like, what should I pray about? Man, you can pray about anything. Listen to all the examples that we have. Zechariah wanted a son. He says, Lord, please, we want a son. Would you please provide? Solomon, he asked for wisdom. God, above all else, would you give us wisdom? Would you give me wisdom? Moses, Samson, they both asked for water in a time when there was no water. Daniel, he had a weird dream. Says, Lord God, I don't understand this dream. Would you help me interpret? Would you please like, help me know, like, what, what are you trying to tell me? David, he prayed for forgiveness after he committed, after he sinned with Bathsheba. Lord, please create a, a, a clean heart, a pure heart. God, renew a steadfast spirit in me. Paul, he had this thing, call it like a thorn in the flesh. Doesn't, we don't really know exactly what it is. And the Bible says that he pleaded three times with God. God, please take it away. God, please take it away. The disciples, they pray for, for boldness. God, give us boldness in the midst of persecution. Uh, Jesus, he prayed for unity. Lord, may they be one, just like you and I are one. May they be, God, I'm going to send them out. May they, may, may by their love, may the world know uh, me. So what should I pray? You can pray about anything you want to pray. There's no rules that say you should not pray for this. If it's in your heart, you can bring it up to the Lord. Our problem is that we give up too soon. And we just assume, well, that's just the way life is going to be. That's just the way finances are going to be. And we just adjust, right? That's just the way the marriage is going to be. That's just the way my life has turned out to be, you know, and we give up. Two, number two, you want to have a, you want to believe in the power of prayer? You need to understand this. God often does not show up until your faith is activated. You think, I think you see that all throughout. God often will not show off. He will not show up until your faith is activated. It's not that he can't. He can. He can do whatever he wants. It's that often what he wants us to do is to take that step forward. And it's for our own good. It's for our own good. Verse 36. At the time of the sacrifice, Elijah stepped forward. He says, like, I have done all of these things at your command. And then last, and I'll close with this. Talk to God with God level, with gut level honesty. If you want to believe in the power of prayer, talk to God with gut level honesty. Talk to God like he's a good friend. We we often talk to our friends, hey, how you doing? How was the report? How was your weekend? How you know how is life? one way and then we bow down to pray and we oh heavenly father we come before you and we we change even we have like this we get this prayer voice have you ever noticed you know like our voice changes our words change and god just wants you to talk to him like he's a good friend imagine if my kids came to me and they said oh grand omnipotent father of the household may we beseech thy presence what's wrong with you boy (laughs) right like you know that would be weird i want them to come to me hey dad i need some money you know i want to go on this field trip you know i promise you if they come to me and they say oh heavenly you know whatever earthly father you know no 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 you don't need to talk to me that way 
Just talk to God like you talk to a friend. So let's practice our message with heads bowed and eyes closed. What are you going through? Filter the message through the heart that God's given you. What do you need to tell him in this moment? Whether you're at home watching, whether you're listening, maybe you're in the car driving and you're out of town, you're listening to the message, getting back, you know, getting caught up. What do you want to tell him? In all honesty, you don't have to tell me. You don't have to confess it to me. You, you have a heavenly father. You, can, you have direct access to him. So talk to him right now. What step of faith do you need to take? Have you given up? Maybe you're here and you're tired. Tell him that. Lord, I am exhausted. I don't know that I can go another day. Maybe you're here and you're scared. Father God, I don't know what's going to happen. I am scared to death. Nobody knows how I'm waking up in the middle of the night. Nobody. People know, but they don't really know. Maybe you're concerned. Maybe you're thankful today. And you can just say that, right? It doesn't always have to be bad. Maybe you can say, Lord, thank you for your love. How many of you here in this room or online... We have people that are monitoring our prayer chat would say, would you pray for me? How many of you would raise your hand and say, pray, pray, for, pray for us. We need some prayer. Yep, I see that hand. I see that hand. Anyone else? I see that hand. God sees your heart. We're going through something, Pastor. Would you pray for us? Of course I pray for you. I love you. I really do. I love this church, and the church is not the building. I love our people. But you know who loves you more? The one who died for you. So talk to him right now. Pour your heart into him. Just tell him, I need you, Father. Can't do this on my own. Thank him for the past. And thank him for what he's about to do in the future. He's never left to you on your own. He's always, even through the worst, he's always been next to you. Even when you've rejected him, even when you've ignored him, he's been there. So this is your time. Don't get distracted. This is a very intentional moment. It's a way for you to connect. you're so good to us I just want to say thank you Lord for your goodness God I pray for I pray for my grandmother Lord for her health lift her up to you Father pray for my mom you know what they're going through 
pray for all of the stress of COVID. And Lord, you know my heart. And God, I don't know the minds and hearts of our people here, but you do. And so God, I ask that you would listen. No, I'm going to change that. God, I thank you that you're listening. I thank you that you're here for us and with us. Would you strengthen us today, Lord? Would you turn us into Elijah's, God? God, we cry out to you. We need you, Father. You're so good to us. We praise you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand.